With those two resurrection songs, I think I should have chosen Johnny Cash's song, Ain't No Grave, Gonna Hold Me Down. But uh, Hey, um, from the ashes I will rise. Uh, that's not right. By your spirit, say the words to me. From the ashes of defeat. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I couldn't help but think about the church of Jesus Christ now. Um, it's a downtime for the church of Jesus Christ. Uh, and and it's, it's a downtime for pastors because we look out here and our place is not nearly as full as it used to be. And we understand that. We get all that. Uh, but this, this too shall pass. And um, the songs of resurrection, uh, COVID has... Um, uh, no, no claim on uh, the Christian. Uh, even if it takes, would take our life, it has no claim on the Christian. The Blackaby family is mourning today because Paula lost her dad yesterday. And uh, just to think of the truth of those words and how thankful we can be that we can be in church even on the day uh, after a grandfather passed away and can proclaim the most basic and the most true thing of Christianity of the resurrection of Jesus Christ because he's been resurrected I will be resurrected as well and so um, the church will come back and uh, we'll once again our attendance will come back this too shall pass in some time uh, last year at this time we had about 625 people in attendance and today we'll have around 400 and uh, that's pretty good to a lot of churches I talk to and so it's a difficult time it's not as fun to come to church it's not as inspiring maybe to come to church because we all like the big crowd and everybody sing but uh we're gonna get through this and uh the church continues to minister we're not sure how to do that because we've never been through this before uh, all pastors are kind of uh walking through the dark on this but we're going to get through this COVID thing and um we don't take it in a, we don't take it uh lightly we we take precautions that we need to take to protect ourselves and the people around us but we're going to get through this. I do want to make you aware of some COVID news within our family. Um, we had several positive tests this week, and, but, and, and, and most of those uh, will resolve themselves pretty well. There, there's some pretty difficult flu-like symptoms and all that. But there's two cases that I want to, want to uh, point out to you simply because of the age of the people and the pre-existing conditions that are there. Okay, um, Harold Horton is in the hospital, and um, at Harold's age, which I don't even know what his age is, mid-80s maybe, something like that, uh, it's obviously COVID is a much bigger deal uh, percentage-wise, um, so uh, he fell on um, Thursday, Friday, Friday, I think, and the squad came and, and uh, took him to the hospital, he was so weak. And uh, I spoke with him um, Saturday, and I spoke with him today, before the first service today. And uh, he was better on both of those days. His voice was a lot stronger today. He's not on a ventilator or anything like that. Uh, his, his blood levels were low, um, and uh, his vitals were good this morning. His voice was a lot stronger this morning. He was encouraged this morning. Uh, Vita tested positive as well, his wife, and, but she, for whatever reason, um, is doing pretty good. So I, let's, let's remember Harold in, in prayer, and if, if he continues to improve for the next couple of days like he has for the last two days, they're, they're going to release him and they're going to send him home. Some of you know Tom Brooks and some of you don't, but Tom uh, was, had health issues anyway and cancer that he was dealing with, so forth and so on. And he, he tested positive, and, um, but the last two days his wife has told me that it have been more positive days for him. He is at home. And so let's just continue to remember, uh, especially our, our folks that are uh, most at risk in all of this, uh, let's continue to do what we can to protect ourselves and the ones uh, around us. Uh, the very best we can through all of that. And uh, right now, let's pray for uh, Harold and let's pray uh, for Tom. I also want to share something with you that's not a COVID situation, but um, a lot of you know Deanie Thornton. And Deanie has Bell's palsy. And uh, 
if you don't know, Bell's palsy causes a drooping in your face. And, and uh, she was in the hospital for a couple of days. They thought it might have been a stroke, but it's just Bell's palsy. And it's, that's enough in itself, but it's not as big deal as a stroke. So I appreciate uh, y'all know Meryl and Deanie and, and obviously uh, they're getting up in age and it's tougher to recover from anything. So remember Deanie, especially as she recovers from Bell's palsy and the frustration that she's going through with an eye drooping and not being able to see is good. And so I just want to make those aware. I don't often do that in service, but I want to make you aware of those three, especially. Lord, I, um, I thank you for Harold. I thank you for Tom. And I thank you for uh, Deanie and what they mean to this church. Pray you be with all three of them right now in Jesus' name and pray that they will recover. And uh, thank you for them. Thank you for their testimony of you and their life. And uh, we know that whenever their time comes, they are ready. And we thank you for uh, that you, as the resurrected king, has given resurrection life to them as well. But, Father, we don't want to say goodbye to him yet. So we pray for Harold, and we pray for Tom, and we pray for Deanie, that all of them would recover and, and uh, retain a good measure of help, health through all of this. And we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen and amen. Well, this is our last in our series of the gospel according to country music. And uh, I think it's ready for an encore performance from the old possum himself, George Jones. Let's do that. I've had choices since the day that I was born. There were voices that told me right from wrong. If I had listened, no, I wouldn't be here today, living and dying with the choices I've made. I was tempted By an early age I found I liked drinking Oh, and I never turned it down There were loved ones But I turned them all away Now I'm loving and dying With the choices I've made I've had choices since the day that I was born. There were voices that told me right from wrong. If I had listened, no, I wouldn't be here today. Living and dying with the choices I If I could go back Oh Lord knows I'd run But I'm still losing This game of life I played Losing and dying With the choices I've made I've had choices Since the day that I was born That told me right from wrong If I had listened I wouldn't be here today Living dying With the choices I've made Choices I've made. Wow, that's really country, isn't it? Um, I pre 
and when I first arrived here, uh, I preached about a 12-week series on, on choices and, and uh, played that as a theme song three or four times. I killed the church. I'm surprised y'all hired me afterwards. But, um, that's a sad song because George, uh, he says he's living and dying by the choices that he makes. And while there's truth of that, there's, uh, there's a, he doesn't understand that even though he feels like he's dying by the choices that he's made, he can live by those choices, uh, positive choices. As, as we said, reaping, sowing and reaping is a positive thing as well as it is a, a negative thing. You just don't have to succumb to bad choices. I can start making good choices. But the Bible talks about choices all the way through the Bible. We talked in some way about this last week when we talked about the, the primacy of personal responsibility when we went with Merle Haggard's song and said, uh, I got nobody to blame because Ma, Mama tried. And, uh, but the Bible talks about our choices all the way through. And Jesus talks about those a lot, whether you take the narrow way, you take the broad way. And Jesus says whether you build your house on sand or whether you build your house on rock and I could go on and on about choices but the 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 preeminent in my opinion the preeminent passage of scripture that has to do with choices is found in the old testament where Moses is leading his people to the promised land and God has told him Moses you're not going to take your people into the promised land but you're going to lead those people to it and Joshua will be the people that end up taking them to the promised land but before uh, I give you the promised land. I think we need to warn our people again and tell them about some very important things. So Moses, who's a prophet of the Lord, speaking the words of the Lord, starts doing that in Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses 15 through 20. And I think is the preeminent passage in all of God's word on our choices and importance of this. Now, this is Moses, a prophet, but he's prophesying and speaking the words of the Lord before they enter the promised land. You're getting ready to go into this land of milk and honey that I've given you. But before you go, I need to tell you about some things here. And in Deuteronomy chapter 30, 15 through 20, Moses, speaking the words of the Lord, says, See, I set before you today life and prosperity. Here's choices right here. I set before you today life and prosperity. I set before you death and destruction. I, I said it before you. We're, 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 we're right at the edge of the promised land and you're going to have all these choices in front of you. For I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him and keep his commands, decrees, and laws. And then you will live and increase. And the Lord your God will bless you in the land you are getting ready to enter and possess. And then uh, the, ver- the passage says, but, and here's choices, but, if your heart turns away. So it's not like you're just going to be on autopilot when you go into the land God has given you. It's not like everything is going to be okay the rest of your life. Your life is the sum total of the choices that you make. And even though you're getting ready to go into the, lot, into the land that I've given you, you've still got to make positive choices. And if you don't make positive choices, things aren't going to go good for you just because you're in the land of milk and honey, just because you're in a fertile land that I have promised you. But if your heart turns away and you are not obedient and if you're drawn away to bow down to other gods and worship them i declare to you this day that you will certainly be destroyed that's not good news even though they're going into the land of good news they're they're going to be fulfilled the promise will be fulfilled god says when you go into this land you've still got to make good choices all the way through and if you make lousy choices i declare to you today that you will certainly be destroyed you will not live long you will not live long in the land that you're crossing the jordan to enter and possess i promised you this land but if you go over here and turn away from me it's all going to go south for you so don't 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 just think because you you've you've we i fulfilled my promise to bring in this land that you're uh absolved from personal responsibility You've got to make good choices. Life and death, blessings and curses. Next passage. This day I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you that I've set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now Moses, speaking the words of the Lord, some precious words to me in all of Scripture, says now choose life. Now choose 
life. God is not some innocent bystander up there just wondering what his creation is going to do. He's rooting for us. He's pulling for us. You've got choices. He's setting the table for us. He's helping us. Come on, child. Choose life. So that you and your children may live. And that you may love the Lord your God, listen to his voice, and hold fast to him. For the Lord is your life, and he will give you many years. Obviously assumed, if you, if you choose him, continue to choose him. Make the proper choices between life and death, blessings and curses. He will give you many years in the land he swore to give to your fathers. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. And even though that was a promise from generations back, that is, that is getting ready to be fulfilled, if you make lousy choices and you don't choose me, you're not going to live long in the land you're entering to possess. Now, in all that passage of Scripture, and I've preached that before, and some of you know that, but I've never preached really on this one part of this, which is an extremely important part of this Scripture, because in the 17th verse of that 30th chapter of Deuteronomy, it says, but if your heart turns away, but, well, it doesn't say, but if you make the bad choices. It doesn't say, but if you choose poorly. It doesn't say, but if you choose destruction over life, if you choose curses over blessing. It, it means that, but he puts in for some reason, he says, but if your heart, if your heart, forever telling us, forever telling us, that, that what we choose in life is a function of what we desire right here. If, if we make poor choices in life, at, at a young age, that's probably a function of, 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 of immaturity and, and not enough experience in life. But as you get older and older, poor choices is a function of a poor heart. If your heart turns away and you are drawn away to bow down to other gods, Poor choices is a function of a bad heart. Poor choices is a function of a bad heart. And that's why Solomon says in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, Solomon, who the Bible calls the wisest man who ever lived. Now, that's hard for me to understand because the guy had 700 wives. And I, it's, it's hard for me to figure that out. But the Bible calls him the wisest man who ever lived. And he says in Proverbs chapter 4, he says, above all else. You've heard a lot of things that are important, but above all else. There's a lot of things that, are, are, that you need to give your attention to, but above all else. Number one, this is the supremacy. This is at the very top of the list. You cannot neglect this. You cannot forget this. Above all else, guard your heart. Moses says, but if your heart turns away, and you make a lot of lousy choices, and... Hundreds of years later, Solomon writes, Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do. And I think I can say, with, it wouldn't be a really good translation, but it would mean the same thing. Instead of for everything you do flows from it, for all the choices you make flow from your heart. Jesus agreed with this because in Matthew chapter 15, Matthew 15, 19, Jesus says, For out of the heart, for out of the heart, come all kinds of evil thoughts. And this, this leads to all kinds of sin. Out of the heart, all this comes from. We, 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 you've heard me say a hundred times that the thought is the father of the deed. The thought is the father of the deed. You've heard me say that a hundred times. For out of the heart, Jesus says, comes all kinds of evil thoughts, murder and adultery and sexual immorality, theft, false testimony and slander. All of that comes from our heart. And if our heart is bad, then our choices are going to be bad. And maybe that's why Moses, speaking the words of the Lord about choices, saying if your heart turns away. And why Solomon, wisest man who ever lived, wrote and said, above all else, guard your heart. Guard your heart. That word guard, as you may uh, guess, is a, is, is, a, is a term that's used in prison, li literally in the Hebrew. You could, you could say confine your heart, uh, 
put a guard over your heart. It's literally a Hebrew term that has to do with being in prison. To guard your heart above all else. And the obvious question is, well, how do you guard your heart? The obvious question for anyone reading that text and for any pastor that's to preach that text is, how is it to guard your heart? And it would be really cool, and probably I could do it biblically, is to list you five different ways that you can guard your heart. And I could go all through Scripture and list you a lot of those ways. But I decided to stay right in the text. All right, so when Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, when he says guard your heart, what was the, the next thing that came to his mind? As he elaborates or illustrates a little bit on guarding your heart, what, what it came into his mind? I can, I can come out in my own mind a lot of ways to guard your heart, and I think they'd be good and they'd be biblical. But what did the writer say? And, and if you stay with the text, the writer says to, to, to guard your heart, you need to be able to be very careful to watch your mouth. That, that's, that's what the text says. For in 20, chapter 4, verses 23 and 24, the Bible says this. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. And then the next verse. The first thing that comes to Solomon's mind. After he, he, he gives us, he says, this is the supremacy. This is the number one thing, guard your heart. And the first thing that comes from your mind, he says, Watch your mouth. Watch your mouth. Because don't you know that what comes out of our mouth is an indicator of what's in our hearts? Don't you know that if there's bitterness and negativity and complaining and woe is me and a whole bunch of stuff like that is coming out of our mouth, that should be an indication to me that there's heart work that needs to happen in my life. That should be an indication to me of not just a bad tongue. It has to be an indication to me that there is heart work that needs to happen in my life. I just don't need to learn how to talk better. I just don't need to go to a communication seminar. I need heart work in my life. And after all, that's what Jesus says. Jesus says in chapter 6 and verse 45 of the Gospel of Luke, Jesus says this, A good man brings good things out of the good that's stored up in his heart. And the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of, Jesus says. For the mouth speaks what is in the heart. For, from the overflow of the heart, another translation says, the mouth speaks. If I've got issues with my I'm bitter, I'm cutting, I'm negative, I'm short, I'm stabbing, I have attitude that comes through. That is not just, well, I, I, I need to learn to talk better. That's an issue in my life that I need to get on my knees and say, Lord, there's something wrong here at this place where I make choices. Because words don't just involuntarily vomit out of my mouth. We say, oh, we, I slipped, I didn't mean... Yeah, probably at that second you didn't mean it. And if things are coming out of my heart that shouldn't be, it's an indication that I need to guard it, that I need to watch, that I need heart work, that I need to get on my knees and say, Father, you've got to do something there needs, that I can't do. I can improve my tongue a little bit and say things nicer, maybe a little bit, but I know what I use, well, most of what I say flows from right here because that's what Jesus says. And if there's good here, good will come out. And Jesus said, if there's bad here, bad will come out. How do you guard your heart? The writer, who was the wisest man who ever lived. After he told us to guard, guard his heart, the first thing that comes to his mind is our speech, is our language. It's, it's what we talk about. Proverbs chapter 21, verse 23. There's lots of verses. I could take a month of Sundays to talk about all the verses in the Bible about our tongue because this is such an important issue because it comes, it's indication of what's here in our hearts. Those who guard their mouths and their tongues keep themselves from calamity. Those who guard their mouths and their tongues, they keep themselves from calamity. Most of the trouble that we get into in our lives, we get into because we said something that we shouldn't have said. We did not keep a watch 
over our tongue. Or there was stuff going on here that shouldn't have been going on here, and it obviously came out of our mouths. Those who guard their mouths and their tongues keep themselves from calamity. Proverbs 12, 16 is another passage of Scripture that we have. Fools. You know, we have a whole lot of people in 2020 that get annoyed real quickly and get offended real quickly. And it seems like we are a culture that just gets offended left and right about everything. The Bible says fools show your annoyance at once. Fools show their annoyance at once. But wise people overlook an insult. Wise people brush it off. Wise people don't get all bent out of shape because somebody said something that maybe bothered me a little bit. They probably didn't mean it that way anyway, but it just bothered me. Or they probably didn't mean it the way that I took it. Fools show their annoyance at, at once. And a heart that, the, a heart that needs work, a, a heart with evil things is one that goes off on other people quickly and shows my annoyance at once and, and gets upset real quickly and gets irritated real quickly. And how dare you, which is probably a heart that's full of me because uh, am I such a great person that somebody shouldn't say something that would maybe make me mad or something i mean uh, you live in life and that kind of stuff happens why am i such a great person or such a that i could go through life with having without having someone say something that bothers me or maybe even i can take as an insult uh, why is it that big of a deal evil hearts hearts that need heart work show their annoyance at once of course, you know, James 1.19 in the New Testament, James says, my dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen and slow to speak. And one of the reasons we're slow to speak is, is if, if, if there is stuff in here that shouldn't be here, I, I can allow that anger to pass. And if I'm not slow to speak, I'll jump, jump on it really quickly. I'll just jump on it really quickly and I'll go into it really quickly. But it seems like wise people should be slow to speak. One of my favorite verses of Scripture is 1019 of, Rome, of Proverbs, where words are many. Sin is not absent. But he who holds his tongue is wise. Where words are many, sin is not absent. But he who holds his tongue is wise. That doesn't mean you're a coward. And that doesn't mean that, that you're, you don't say things that you really need to be said. That's, that's not what it means at all. But you just keep a watch. Because a, heart that, a tongue that constantly spewing things is probably an indication of a heart that needs work. A heart that needs work. So the wisest man who ever lived says, says you better guard your heart. And, and, and what's the first thing he wrote? That the next thing he wrote after that, he says, take care of your mouth. Watch your tongue. Because it's an indication that something here is not right. Well, that's just grandma. You know, she, she you know, that's, that, I got my grandma's tongue. And you know how grandma is. She, she got her mother's tongue. And It's an issue. It's a deeper issue. Guard your heart. And that's a supernatural thing for change to be in my heart. So I need to become aware of it so I can guard the least little going astray of my heart so I can be able to say, Jesus, that, that shouldn't be there. Jesus, what I, what I just said, that shouldn't be there in the first place. I don't want to have to hold my tongue to keep that down. I just don't want that there to begin with. You see, I think God can do that kind of work. <laughs> I think God can do that kind of work. To guard your heart, watch your mouth. But then what else does the writer say? To, to guard your heart, be careful what gets your attention. Be careful what gets your attention. Be careful what you look at. At least that's what the writer says. So put the verse back up here, please. Proverbs 4, 23. There it is. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Then the, then the next verse about the mouth. Keep your mouth free of perversity. Keep corrupt talk 
from you and then let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. So here's what the writer says. Writer writes, above all else, this is the most important thing. There's nothing I could write to be any more important than this. Guard your heart. Then he writes, mouth, eyes. And so I just worded it. Guard your heart by being careful what gets your attention. Because what gets your attention is what you look at. It's what you gaze at. Any of us got through guys that have been in any kind of uh, accountability classes or have learned any kind of thing about uh, sexual temptation and pornography and all that have learned the skill of bouncing our eyes. And, and we live in this world and we can't help but see things, okay? We, we, we live in a world and we, we can't help but have things come in front of us. We can't help but I don't have to look back at it. I can learn the skill of bouncing my eyes. Bouncing my eyes. That's something I shouldn't give my attention to. Bounce my eyes. That's something I shouldn't gaze at. Bounce my eyes. And that's an unbelievable thing. Because it's not an issue that something comes in front of you. We live in a sinful world. But the issue is if I give attention to it. There's where you start going down. And there's men in this room can testify to that. Because what gets our attention is here. And so a bounce. A bounce. And, and it, it happens all the time. You know, I, Sue and I will be at the mall or some, be somewhere and something will walk this way and I'll just look at Sue and say, can you believe that? But I didn't. Try to bounce. Not only because my wife is sitting there with me, okay? <laughs> That's a skill. That's a skill. And, and, and the writer says, when he says, guard your heart, he thought of tongue, he thought of my eyes. Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 6, right in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 6, 22 and 23. Jesus says, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy... If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. And light is a symbol in the Bible for good. But, but if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? The number one thing is guarding your heart. How, how do you make good choices? We have to watch your heart. Because up, up, in, up in that other... Deuteronomy passage, but if your heart turns away and you start making lousy choices, lousy choices are a function of a bad heart. You have to watch your tongue and have to watch your eyes. Psalm 119, verse 37 says, what a marvelous prayer. Turn my eyes from worthless things. <laughs> what a marvelous prayer. Turn my eyes from worthless things. And that could mean a whole lot of things. That could mean a whole lot of things. I was frustrated this week as I dealt with a family that's connected to our church family and was trying to help them and they're below the poverty line and the car broke down and didn't have transportation. And I was trying to help them and trying to figure out a way that because they got to have transportation to get to the little job that he does have and and, um, and I noticed as I was trying to help them, um, the difficulty in that was his eyes. Because he would say, um, ooh, look at those leather seats. <laughs> Got lives below the poverty line, friend. You need, you need to be looking at leather seats. You don't need to care about sound systems in cars when you live below the poverty line. They're worthless things. Now, I'm not talking about finances are in order and you want leather seats, go knock yourself out, get leather seats. <laughs> I don't care. But not when you live below the poverty line. 
Not when you're trying to live off $1,100 a month. Turn my eyes, God, from worthless things. Guard my heart. Keep me from giving my attention to things that should not draw my attention. And that worthless things, could, there could be a lot of headings under worthless things. And not that they're necessarily bad because of the station in my life right now, they're probably worthless things. 1 John chapter 2, verse 16 is a passage that you're probably aware of. For everything in the world, and when the Bible talks about the world, they're talking about living independently from God. For everything in the world that's, that's not of God, that's living away from God, the lust of the eyes, excuse me, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, they come not from the Father. They come not from the Father. And, and we, we think of lust as a sexual world, but, word, but it's just desire. It's just desire. It's just desire. There's nothing wrong with leather seats. If I'm not, but there are, is probably something wrong with leather seats if I'm living below the poverty line. My eyes are looking at worthless things. So how do you guard your heart? Mouth and tongue. Excuse me, mouth, tongue, eyes. And then we have one more thing right in, the, right in this text. Right in this text. To guard your heart, ponder. That's an old, that's old-timey word. That's an old Kentucky word. Some translations will render it ponder. But I, I like the word ponder because it, it's, to me it's stronger than think. When I, ponder is when, I, is when I really focus on something. At least that's what it meant to Kentucky rednecks like me, okay? And I ponder on something. You ever heard people say, I'm going to study about it for a while? Same thing. <laughs> to guard your heart. The text says to ponder your path. Now let's look at the whole text again to make sure we keep it in context. Proverbs 4. There, there's, our, there's our key verse, okay? Next verse, please. Keep your mouth free, okay? Next verse, please. Let, let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze. Give careful thought is what this translation says. Ponder. Give careful thought. The word literally means in the Hebrew to weigh. To weigh. Some people will even translate it, make level your thoughts. And, and when you weigh something, at least in old-timey Times they had to weigh it like this, right? And you had to really look at it to make sure that you were weighing it properly. You had to really look at it. Weigh your thoughts. Give careful thought to the paths of your feet and be steadfast in all your ways. Wise people don't just let life happen to them. Wise people don't just allow life to happen to them. They ponder their ways. They think about their ways. They think about what's going from, from where I am today, is that leading me to, to tomorrow and next week and next month and next year? Am I, am I, do I want to be where, where I am today? Do my actions of today, are they leading me in a place that I, wonder, I want to go? If not, I've got to make some corrections. Ponder. Give careful thought. Because where I am today determines where I am tomorrow. And we said that last week in the whole reaping and sowing thing. Tomorrow, to, uh, today is the father of tomorrow. And, and where I am today has everything with where I want to be next week, next month, next year. Has everything. And if I think it doesn't, I'm just letting life happen. Well, it's just today. It's just a Thursday. It's just today. No, no. Today's actions, today's thoughts, pondering where I am today with, with goals today, where I want to be tomorrow, thinking through that seriously is an important strategy because, but because you can get off just a little bit. And marriage is the best example of this. If, if, if you're on track in your marriage and you're going straight on your marriage, if you just take a step off of that, that's not very much, and you may not even notice it, but a step off after years is way, way out here instead of where you're supposed to be. See, it's such a little bitty thing. And I have to guard my heart and ponder my path to, are we not where we're supposed to be? And it's, it's almost such a little step that it's indistinguishable. It's, almost, it's just a little bitty thing, but 
weeks, months, years. This little thing of where I am today would lead me where I should be here. So, the wisest man who ever lived. He says, the big deal here is to guard your hearts. And, and, and Moses back, way back, said, got to make good choices. And if you don't, it's because your heart. So Solomon writes, guard your heart. Then he starts talking about mouth. He starts talking about uh, eyes. And he starts talking about giving thought to your ways. It's not, it's not basically, he says, give thought to your path. It's not the path. It's giving thought to where you are. And, and, and if, I, if I know where I am, then I can make appropriate judgments or adjustments to be where I need to be tomorrow. So the fact that I may find myself here is not the biggest of deal. I can make those adjustments. But if I never think about it, if I never ponder it, if I just take life as it comes, I just let life happen. Happy-go-lucky, whatever happens going to happen. And don't ever think seriously about where I'm headed in my life. And you, there's, there's gobs of examples in family and finances in so many different ways. And I have to guard my heart from just kind of letting life happen instead of strategically going about life. And intentionally, with the grace of God, according to God's will, taking these steps so these things would happen properly in my life. Psalm 90 verse 12 says, Number. I don't know how many days we have to live. And some of us have more left than others do. But however many you have left, they're important. Number them. Number them. It's just one day, but it's one day less. Got 300, if I live another 20 years, got 365 days in a year, 20 times 365, what's that, 60,000 plus days. Okay, today's one of them. I'll never get it back. I'll never get it back. Number your days. If you do that, you'll gain a heart of wisdom. Proverbs 15, 22 says plans fail for lack of counsel. The Bible doesn't put down making plans at all. There's many times the Bible says, you know, we can make plans, but God is over all them. Of course that. But the the Bible never puts down making plans and strategically thinking about your life and pondering your life. Proverbs 21.5 says, The plans of the wise, the plans of the diligent lead to profit. Don't let life just happen. We have a lot of control because of our choices. Now, it's all got to be according to God's will, but because of our choices, the plans of the diligent lead to profit as surely as haste leads to poverty. James chapter 4 kind of talks about this and talks about how um, be careful on presuming on tomorrow. You can plan for tomorrow, but careful on presuming tomorrow will definitely be here because your life is but a mist. And your plans have to be under the umbrella of God's will. Why? Uh, Now listen, you who say today or tomorrow we will go to this city or spend a year there and carry on business and make money. Well, you don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? Those of you who heard me preach sermons, I use this probably two out of three sermons, funeral sermons. What is your life? You are missed. That happens for a little while and then vanishes. And that's one of the reasons you need to number your days because your life goes, man. It's a mist. It's a mist. Paul Blackaby's dad died, and I guarantee you he was sitting there on his deathbed, and if he had his wits about him, he would have said something like, I can't believe that it all went this quick. And he lived a good old age. James 4, 15 says this. What you got, Amy? Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will. That means all of my plans are under the umbrella of God's will. All of my plans are under the umbrella of God's will. 
find a plan. Don't plan without God. Don't plan without God. It's all under the umbrella of his will. I, I, I've tried to show you that, that, that Moses, way back when, says you need to choose life and death, blessings or curses. But if your heart turns away, which it means that your, your choices flow from your heart. Jesus said that too. Jesus said that too. The good things that's stored up in your heart, that's what comes out. Your tongue, your, your eyes ponder the path of your feet. But it's your heart and your desires that are really, really, really important. Let me give it, close with this example of how I've got to watch my desires in my life. Some of you may or may not know that since 2013, I've been dealing with prostate cancer. And I've had a little bit of cancer in my prostate. And as long as it stays in your prostate, you can live to good old age. When it gets out, is the issue. So I have biopsies every now and then and so forth and so on. So we watched it and we watched our PSA. And if you men don't know anything about that, you will sooner or later. And prostate cancer is, most men will die with prostate cancer, they won't die of prostate cancer. So I've been watching it, and so my, my numbers have gone up, and my last biopsy showed uh, more aggressive cancer, and, and aggressive meaning more likely to get outside of the prostate when that becomes life-endangering. And so my, my guy says, uh, my doctor says, we got to do something about this. We need to attack this in some way. And we can obviously do it with surgery, of removing the prostate, which some people in here have had that probably. Uh, we can remove the prostate, or he says, I want you to talk to radiologists because we've made great strides in treating cancer of the prostate with radiology, with radiation. So uh, I had a bone scan, first of all, to make sure it hadn't spread to the bone, and it hadn't. And, and then so we sit down with the surgeon and the radiologist, and, and they basically say, why surgery or why radiology? And then the decision is up to Sue and I. So I was talking to the doctor, the surgeon, and he said, uh, I said, Sue, I get a second opinion because the, the, the cancer that they saw, they, they give it a score, and they, they graded it a Gleason 8. And you guys will learn about Gleason scores sooner or later, okay? But Gleason 8 is a significant number that needs to be dealt with. My score originally was a Gleason 6. You watch it at Gleason 6. So I said, should I go take a, should I go get a second opinion? He said, you can absolutely do that. You can absolutely do that. And I said, if you want to do that, please feel free to do that. But I got thinking about that. I got studying about it a little bit, <laughs> pondering on it a little bit. And I said, you know, I go, I go get another opinion. And this guy says, Mark, I don't think it's a Gleason 8 at all. I, I think, I, I don't think we need to deal with this right now. You know which guy I'm going to take? The one my heart wants to. See, I don't want to have the surgery. I, I'm not afraid to have it. If I've got to have it, got to have it. I'll go through it like, like thousands of other guys have gone through it. But I'll, if, if I find somebody that says, I don't think i got to do it, my heart goes that way. And it may not be the wisest choice, but my heart goes that way. That's what I want to hear. That's the guy I'm talking to. Or maybe I can talk to, talk to enough doctors that will finally tell me what I want to hear. <laughs> My heart wants to hear that. That's what I'll go with. Be careful. This is a seedbed of choices. Good, bad, lousy, indifferent. Be careful about those choices. And one thing I like about the Christian life It's what the gospel of Jesus Christ promises us. It's not just heaven, and that is good enough. But it's a changed heart. It's a heart that desires not to live that way anymore. It's, just, it's not just a life that I've got to grit my teeth and I know it, oh, I shouldn't go there, no, shouldn't like that, shouldn't see that, can't do that, can't say that. That's not a grit your teeth life. It's a life that... God changes your heart. And that's the power and the blood of Jesus Christ. 
And I'm so thankful for that. That I just don't have to be religious and not do this and do that. But I can literally have a heart that's been changed. And I can do the right things for the right reasons. That's a promise that God gives us when he promises to take out our old heart of flesh and give us a new heart. Jesus, on the night that he was, before he was betrayed, he said he took bread and he broke it. And while he didn't say this, he was says, I'm going to die for you, not only that you would go to heaven, but that you could be literally born again with newness of life, newness of heart. And if you have never experienced newness of heart, my dear church-growing friend, you are living far below your inheritance. Don't settle for churchanity. Settle for Jesus' Holy Spirit living on the inside of you and changing you. For, for that reason, we take a symbol of his body. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup. And he says, this is the cup of the new covenant. No longer a covenant that was written in stone that was do this and do that. A covenant that was in my blood. And he said to do this in remembrance of me. Father, thank you for the new heart that we have when we turn our life over to you. Thank you that we have new desires and new want-tos. And, and I, I hate the things I once loved and I love the things I once hated. Thank you for that. Thank you that the Christian life is just not about gritting my teeth and trying to do good. Thank you that you give yourself to us through your spirit and somehow we are born anew, newness of life. Thank you for that. But even though we have a new heart, we're told to watch it and put a guard on it. And keep it from going astray. Watching what comes out of our mouth. Watching what we give attention to. And giving serious, careful thought. Pondering the way that we go. Because where we are today has everything to do with where we will be tomorrow. So, Father, I pray that you take these words as not just another sermon as the hundreds and thousands of sermons some of these people have heard, but literally your words to this congregation here today. In Jesus' name, amen.